Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off our brand new series, Real Home. One of the greatest opportunities in life is to be part of something that will outlast oneself. Sunday, February 2nd through Sunday, March 16th, we will follow the incredible journey of Nehemiah as he risked it all, joining together with others to initiate an effort that would outlast them all. Together, we begin a journey at Valley Point Church towards a new home. Don't miss out on this incredible time. and Don't miss out on this opportunity to be a part of something that will outlast us all. All right, see, this is why you want to come to church every single Sunday, just to see what I'm going to do to embarrass myself next. And I know some of you are thinking, wow, with mad skills like that, and with those steps, he probably had a boxing career before he became a pastor. It's not true. Actually, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I did ask my wife after first hour, did I at least look like a boxer? And she said, yes. So that's the only person I have to impress. There you go. I was practicing this yesterday at home, and I was talking to my oldest daughter, Clarice, and she just said, please, don't do that in public. (laughs) So too late. Well, I love the clips that we viewed today, especially the rocky ones, because they all have something in common. There is an individual or a group of people in these different clips that experience a moment that defines them. And when they walk through that moment, when they walk through that experience together, they have a choice to make. Am I going to step through this or am I going to step back? What are they going to do? Are they going to step through that and seize that moment and enjoy it? Or are they going to shrink back? By the way, it's really strange to do hand motions with gloves on. (laughs) It's kind of weird. But you know, in a similar kind of way, we all experience moments too. And when we experience these different moments, we're faced with the same choice. Will we step through that or will we step back? Will we step into the moment and make some noise and roar and seize that, or will we step back? Here's our big idea for today, and that is don't fear seizing your divine moment. Don't fear that. I believe God gives us moments as well that define us, and when these moments come, they become divine for us, and we cannot fear seizing our divine moment as individuals or even as a faith community. And so we're going to talk today about how we don't have to fear seizing our divine moment. Now, before we move on, I want you to turn to the person next to you or behind you or in front of you and with your best voice, imitate Rocky and say, Yo, Adrian, go for it. All right, and I think after all that, we should pray, probably, right? (laughs) So let's pray together. 
Father, we come to this day and we're just thankful for the opportunity we have to be here and for what you have placed out in front of us as a church, just a tremendous opportunity to build a real home for you, for others, and even for ourselves. And God, it really can be a frightening thing, a very frightening thing to take a bold step of faith. And so as we think about this today, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts, help us to be attentive. God, I pray that you'd help us to listen and that we would be so ready to do whatever it is that you plant inside of each and every one of us. And God, ultimately, may we be so willing to not fear seizing the divine moments that are in front of us. God, give us a wonderful day as we look to your word now, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we started our Real Home campaign by looking at the life of a guy named Nehemiah. And he's just a fascinating character, and there's a whole book in the Bible that tells his story. And so last week, we started with chapter 1, and what we discovered, what we found there, is that before Nehemiah did anything, before any activity at all, he simply prayed and invited God into his story. And with that prayer, he declared himself available. God, I'm available, I'm ready, use me. And that was all last week, and that's what Nehemiah did in chapter 1. And so what we're saying is, as a faith community, before we do anything at all, we want to cover this thing in prayer. And in doing that, we want to say, we're available, we're ready, use us. Last week, I threw out a prayer challenge for everybody, and I hope that you were really consistent with that. By the way, you don't have to stop praying. I would encourage you to take those very powerful words that were printed for us and use them to keep going before God on behalf of what's happening here at Valley Point Church. So don't stop. And I know many of you will keep going with that. And that's a wonderful choice. There's something else that Nehemiah did in chapter 1. And that is, he made the decision to fast. In other words, he gave up a few things in his life. He gave up a few appetites, and he willingly set them aside for a time frame so he could devote more time to praying for God, to do something in and through him. And today, I'm going to present a fast challenge for all of us, and we'll talk about that in just a bit. So between... Chapters 1 and chapters 2, what we discover is that Nehemiah steps in, he steps up, and he steps through his divine moment, and it began to define him. And when he made that choice, he was immediately faced with a pretty big risk. There was an opportunity out in front of Nehemiah. Would he take it? Would he take it? And that's the question we're going to investigate today. He was right there, a great opportunity out in front of him for him to make some noise. And is he going to step in and up and through that? So if you have a Bible or a smart device, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading verse 1. 
Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Early the following spring in the month of Nisan. Now, what's interesting about that is in chapter 1, Nehemiah mentions that it's the month of Kislev. That's the equivalent of our November and December. The month of Nisan in the Jewish calendar is the equivalent of our March and April. So Nehemiah really has been praying and fasting from November to December through March of April. And here we find him during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. And I was serving the king as wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And I think at some point, and you can't find this in the archives anywhere, but it's possible that King Artaxerxes might have doubled as the mayor of Philadelphia. Right? Great questions here, like, what's wrong with you? You don't look sick to me. Just keep going. These are great questions. And it says, then I, Nehemiah, was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. And I also said to the king, If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please, give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to Protect me. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. I want to ask and answer one question based on what we just read. And the question is what makes a moment work? If we're not supposed to seize our divine moments and if we're supposed to step in and up and through these things and watch what God does in our lives and through us to accomplish great things, if we're not supposed to fear that, which is kind of a fearful thing, what makes a moment work then? How do we know about this? And I think there's three responses. First of all, sticking close to God makes a moment work. Listen, when we make God the number one priority in our lives, when we make his needs and his desires a little more important and a lot more valuable than our own, 
And when we get serious about discovering God in His Word, when we make Him the priority, when we stick close to God, moments just work. And it doesn't always make sense, and it can't always be explained, but when we're close to God, these moments become divine, and they just work. So maybe one of the greatest challenges for everybody here today or maybe one of the greatest choices you can make as you begin to walk out of here in just a bit is that you would say, I'm going to make God the number one priority. And I'm going to arrange everything in my life around him. His needs, his desires, his wishes will be more valuable than my own. I will get serious about finding God in his word. I will take myself out of the driver's seat and I will place God where he wants to be. So he's leading and driving my entire being. When we get serious about this, and when we stick close to God, moments just begin to work. And that's what we see here in Nehemiah's life. Secondly, a big dream bathed in prayer makes a moment work. A big dream just covered, just absolutely covered in prayer makes a moment work. And here's what we read in verse 4. It says, The king asked, Well, how can I help you? And with a prayer to the God of heaven. And that is just a huge statement right there. It's not like just a little thing that we kind of quickly read over and forget about. It's a huge statement where Nehemiah recognizes the enormity of the situation that he's in. And the most powerful ruler in the world at that time was asking him what he wanted. And so I've got this dream that got his birth inside of me. But I need to also bathe it in prayer one more time before I talk to the king. So he throws up this quick prayer. And quick prayers are fine. They're appropriate and they're necessary. And that's what Nehemiah does here. He doesn't want to keep this important guy waiting. And so Nehemiah replies, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. So imagine this for a moment, because this is kind of a funny thing when you think about it. If you place this in our culture and in our context, here's what's happening. Nehemiah goes in before his boss, the king, and he serves wine to him and serves food, and he's a high-ranking royal official. And he looks at the king and says, I love my job. I mean, I've got a fantastic job, and I get paid well, and I have wonderful benefits. I get to hang out in the palace. I could be doing a lot of things that are a lot worse than this, but I've got this amazing job. But look, King, as much as I love you and as much as I love this job, and I'm thankful for what you've given to me, I want to actually go and do something else that is more important to me than what I'm doing for you. And again, I really like my job, and I'm really happy with it, but I have this burden and this over here, rebuilding my city, which is broken and burned. That's more important to me than what I do for you. And so I want to leave you and I want to go and do this other thing that is more important. And oh, by the way, King, I'd like for you to still pay my salary and all of my benefits, like if you can keep that up. And oh, by the way, if you can throw in timber for the rebuilding and give me letters so I can pass through everything, that would just be a great thing. My big dream here. Nehemiah's a big dreamer. And a big dream bathed in prayer 
just absolutely soaked in prayer makes a moment work. And Nehemiah does more than just ask here. It has been preceded by a whole lot of prayer. And again, a big dream bathed in prayer makes a moment work. There's one more reason here, one more response, and that is a good plan, a really good plan makes a moment work. Verse 7 said, I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for me. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. For close to two years now, we have been planning and strategizing about our future real home. This isn't something that just came about, like, hey, this is a good idea, let's just build a home and we don't have to meet at the school anymore, let's just do that. Now, for about two years, we have been planning and strategizing for this big step of faith that God wants us to take. And I love what happens to Nehemiah here. I just love what happens. When he's asked for what he needs, there is no hesitation. He knows. He just knows exactly what he needs in that moment. And of course, he had been praying. That's what chapter one is about. And he's declaring himself available and I'm ready, God, use me. But God also gave Nehemiah a brain. And between chapters one and chapters two, where he gets asked this of the king, I believe Nehemiah is planning. Boy, if the king asks. Man, if I'm really fortunate, if God really opens the door here and the king asks me for what I need, I want to be ready. And so he began to make his lists and he put everything together so that when the king did ask the all-important question, what is it that you need? Nehemiah was ready. He knew. He knew. Whatever dream it is that you have, whatever big thing that is out there in front of you, whatever change that you hope to initiate in your workplace or in your family or in your school or whatever, sticking close to God, right? Like making him the priority and arranging our lives around him. It makes a moment work. And a big dream, whatever that is for you, bathed in prayer, it makes a moment work. And let's not forget that a good plan makes a moment work. Here's what I want to do. I want to take just a little bit of time and share with you kind of the process that we have walked through and what I've walked through personally to bring us to this point where we're ready to chase a real home for God, for others, and for me, where we're ready in confidence to take this big step of faith. A couple of years ago, I got really convicted on the inside that I personally wasn't doing enough to think about the long-term future of Valley Point Church. And what's going to happen in 10 years, 20 years, or even in 30 years when a lot of us won't even be here? What does that look like? The church will still be here. 
Valley Point Church will still be here. And I got really convicted that I wasn't doing enough to think about the long-term strategy of Valley Point Church. And we plan week to week, and we have a lot of fun just creating compelling environments, and we try to surprise and delight and make our gatherings here very memorable. But again, God just began to do a work on the inside of me where I got convicted that I personally wasn't thinking about the long-term vision. That's part of my role. That's part of my responsibility. And so I began to ask myself some questions. How can we reach more people for Christ? Not only today, but 10 and 20 years from now. And how can we show the communities around us that we're here to stay, that we want to be a part of the fabric of what happens here in the Delaware Valley? And how does that translate into space? Like what kind of space will be needed in order to reach more people for Christ and to show the communities around us that we're here to stay? And how can we provide space for generations to call home? And I didn't have a lot of clarity on the answers to those questions. So I began to pray. I just say, God, can you help me figure this out? And what is it that you want for us and from us as a faith community? And in the process of praying, I also began to have some conversations with other leaders and pastors around the country. I spent time with them those that have walked through this kind of thing and it's in their past and just strategizing with them and asking them key questions and how do we walk through this and how can we avoid maybe some of the mistakes that you made and they were so willing to share their insights and the different things that happened to them with me. And so in that process of asking questions and praying and talking to others and gathering insights and praying some more, Here's what God did in my heart. God began to give me a holy discontent with the way that things are and that we don't want to settle and we want to continue to do everything we can as a faith community to reach more people for Christ, to show everybody that we're here to stay and to provide space for generations to call home. And so God began to give me this desire inside of me where I said, We have property. We have property. We have a growing, dynamic church, which is a really fun thing to be a part of. And it's time. It's just time for us to build a permanent home on our Bethel Road campus for God, for others, and for me. I want you to know that there's a biblical model of leadership. And when you walk through the pages of Scripture, you just see this over and over again when you look at different things that happen to leaders. Here's what happens. God often plants a vision or a dream inside of a single leader. And that thing begins to fester inside of him or her to the point where there's something that they have to do with that. They have to act. They have to share that. They got to pray over it. They have to seek other input into what God is doing inside of them. And then what happens is that begins to grow to the point where that individual is able to communicate that to other key leaders. And then those key leaders pass that on to others until there is an energized group that is ready to move forward together to accomplish whatever that dream and whatever that vision is. This is exactly, by the way, it's exactly what we see in Nehemiah. 
God births a vision inside of him that he can't let go, and he weeps over it, and he prays, and he fasts, and then he begins to share that with other key leaders, and then it grows, and it reaches other people until they reach the goal and the dream that Nehemiah set out of rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. God birthed something in my heart about us having a permanent and a real home. And that's been shared with other key leaders, elders and staff and other leaders beyond that. And that has grown to the point that we're here today ready to take this bold step, this courageous step of faith together toward a real home. And I want you to know, I want you to know as your pastor that I have never felt closer to the heart of God than what I do right now. I have never had the dependency on wanting to hear from God and knowing that I need to be very, very close to Him as I lead this venture and as we step out in this big faith moment here that I need to be very, very, very close to God. And I want you to know I have never felt as close to God as what I do today. And I have bathed this thing in prayer. And we have invited other leaders to do the same. And really all of us have been invited into that story of saying, let's pray for this future step, this bold, courageous step of faith. And this is a big dream. It's a big dream. It's been bathed in prayer. And I believe we have a great plan. That's a great plan. Our plan is taking us into a 16,000 square foot facility that will be two stories on our Bethel Road campus. And probably one of the toughest questions I've been asked so far is it's this question. When that building gets built, are we going to lose our sledding hill? <laughs> I don't know, maybe we can do something off the roof. I'm not sure. That's been the toughest question. And so a dream birthed in a leader's heart that has spread to others, that has spread to our entire faith community, and we're here today, and we're moving forward. I want to let you know that I'm so excited about what God is doing in our church and what he's doing in my heart and what I hear him doing in so many of your hearts as well as we take this big step together. And today, on your way out in your gift bag, you're going to receive another brochure. And if you were here last week, you, you got this brochure. And by the way, everybody gets a bag, all right? It's not one per family. Everybody take a bag because I want everybody to have this brochure. And here's what I want you to do with it. I, I want you just to begin reading because inside of this brochure is the dream. It's the vision. And there are stories of how our church began and how we got to where we are today. And there's pretty pictures and floor plans, and there's information about what all of this costs. And you're going to get the chance to see some of these pictures again in just a bit. But I want you to take this brochure. It's more than just a bunch of paper. It's a tool that I believe will help you process what's coming. I also want you to check out myrealhome.org. We've got a whole website dedicated to this, and it has the brochure, and it has the prayer booklet, and it has other videos and other things that you can check out that, again, will just share information with you and will help you process. And throughout our journey, you'll be able to go to myrealhome.org and get all kinds of different updates. So check all of that out. It's there for you so that you can be aware and know what's happening. We want all of us to be involved 
every step of the way. So here's some questions for all of us. We're positioned for impact. Will we take it? I mean, we're positioned for impact. Will we take it? Come on. It's like the ball is sitting right on the tee, waiting to just get smoked by Valley Point Church. And I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what God can do in and through all of us. We're positioned for impact. No doubt about that. It becomes a matter of our... We're going to have the courage to step in and step up and step through that. Which is our second question. And that is, are we going to step in, step up, and step through this? Or will we shrink back? Will fear keep us from moving forward and cause us to step back? Thirdly, do your dreams allow God to accomplish what may seem impossible? Whatever it is that you're dreaming about. And as a church, we've got a big dream for this bold step of faith. But whatever it is that you're dreaming about, do your dreams allow God to accomplish what may seem impossible? Here's the reality. As a faith community, we're positioned for impact. In the last three years, we've grown 43%. In the first five weeks of this year, we're already 12% higher than what we were a year ago. We are seeing people trust in Jesus alone to save them. We are seeing many get baptized. Our love days are having impact not only in this community here, but around the world. God is using us, and this is a great time for us to think about the future and how we're positioned for impact. So a couple of takeaways. First of all, it's okay to fear. It's okay to fear. When I look at the enormity of this project and when I look at some of these numbers, sometimes it's very overwhelming. Like, is God going to come through? Like, can, can we really do this? I mean, do we have, do we have enough people? Do we have enough resources? Can, can this actually happen? And I just want to say, it's okay to fear. Because I've been frightened along the way as well. But I want to say, don't let fear, don't let fear keep you from seizing the divine moment that God has in front of all of us. Don't let fear keep you from doing that. And I want to say, I want you to listen to this. What seems impossible to us is always possible with God. Always. What seems impossible to us, it's always possible with God. So it's okay to fear. And then secondly, prepare your heart. It's time to do that. And one of the ways I want to encourage you to prepare your heart is to do what Nehemiah also did in chapter 1. That is, he prayed, but he also made the choice to fast. And fasting is something that God's people have often been called to so that they can take their attention off of an appetite or off of something that they really enjoy and to take that time and that energy and pray to God and ask him to do something in and through us. So I'm calling our entire church to a fast. And what you're going to discover in your gift bag on the way out, you're going to get a fast guide. And it looks exactly like the prayer guide from last week, but it's filled with information about why we are doing this. It's an intentional choice to make ourselves available to God and pursue His opportunities. That's what a fast is. And look, this is for everybody. All right? So parents, 
Talk to your kids and involve them in this spiritual journey. Have a great conversation with them about some things they might be able to give up for one week. Our fast is going to start tomorrow and it will conclude next Sunday, just like what we did with our week of prayer. And have these conversations with each other. Go on a fast journey with other people. Students, this isn't just for old people. It's for you as well. And again, the booklet just kind of walks you through why we're doing this. It also provides some options. All right, so here's the options that we're presenting that I want you to think about in terms of a fast. How about a social media fast? Huh? For those of you who love Facebook and Twitter and all of that stuff, how about just saying, you know what? I'm going to give that up for seven days. And when I have that urge, and I get shaky because I haven't been on Facebook for a bit, I'm going to use that time and I'm going to actually pray and talk to God about that. Or how about a screen time fast? Like for those of you who find your phone attached to your hip or the TV's always on or gaming stuff, how about giving that up for a week and just saying, I'm going to set that appetite aside. And when I have the urge to do that, I'll devote my time to prayer. Here's the third option. Sweets, soda, and stimulants. Well, you don't sound very happy about that one. Like, I'll give up social media, but don't talk to me about desserts, right? But what about doing that? What about sacrificing those kinds of appetites and just putting that aside for a bit so that I can devote even that time? And when I have that urge and I have that want, I can just step back and say, okay, I'm going to spend a few moments in prayer here. And what you'll also find in the booklet are seven different prayers that will help you guide, will, you know, guide you through the fast opportunity that we're presenting. So this is going to be in your gift bag. I want to encourage you to take that. And if this sounds weird and you've never done it before and it's just kind of strange, give it a shot. Just give it a shot and see what God does in your heart and in your life as you prepare yourself for the great journey in front of us. Nehemiah chapter 1. He prays and he fasts. God gives him this burden. He has this holy discontent. I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to settle. But he also began to plan... And when he was presented with the opportunity, he stepped in, he stepped up, and he stepped through that, and God used him in incredible ways. Seizing your divine moment. Seizing our divine moment. Here's what that will do. It's going to give us the opportunity (laughs) to build a real home. A real home for God, for others, and even for me. I want to conclude our time with the seventh day of prayer. Again, I hope you've been consistent with this. If you're new to this or didn't even know about it, you're going to get the chance to join us on the seventh day as we kind of conclude this. And so I want to lift up this prayer as a way just to focus our hearts and to focus our attention on being available to God and stepping into our opportunity. So here's our prayer. Lord, prepare our hearts for the venture you have before us. As we take this next step, increase our faith and our trust in you. Thank you for the ministry of real relationships and real significance that you have called us to in the Delaware Valley. Help us as we follow the path to which you have called us, taking the next step of faith and building a real home for Valley Point. Lord, we want to declare ourselves available to you 
We want to step into the opportunity you have for us as a church. Thank you for counting us worthy to share in your ministry of reconciling people to yourself. We love you, Lord. Amen. And God, this is what we lift up to you. This is our prayer. This is our heart's cry that we want to step into this divine moment. Yeah, we don't want to step back. We don't want to shrink back. We want to declare ourselves completely available to everything that you want to do through us. God, I'm so excited as we continue to think about our plan and bathe that in prayer and just dream really big about the opportunities that are in front of us, that, God, you will use all of this, the passions and the desires of our hearts, to do something special in this area where we make your name famous and we provide that opportunity for others to discover that there is a God who loves them and has a plan and purpose for their lives. God, it's also a chance for us to deepen our own friendship with you. So God, guide us. We give this all to you. Help us not to fear seizing our divine moment. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.